So, uh, uh, hi, it's Graham here. Sorry to interrupt your podcast listening like this, but uh, I wondered if you could do us a little favour. I haven't told Carol I'm going to do this, and frankly, I'm not sure she's going to find out. Let's maybe keep it that way, shall we? Uh, I don't think she listens to the podcast, so she won't hear that I've tacked this on to the beginning. But the European Security Blogger Awards, they're about to happen, and Smashing Security has been nominated in a couple of categories. Huzzah, huzzah! You can vote in the awards for your favourite security blogs and security podcasts, hint, hint, but you've only got a few days before the voting closes. So do it today. Do it now. Hit pause. Oh, not before I've told you the URL. It's smashingsecurity.com slash vote. That will redirect you through magic to the voting form. And, well, hey, made the best podcast co-hosted for the last six or so years by a Brit and a Canadian win. Um, yeah, over to you. Smashingsecurity.com slash vote. Thank you very much. We love you all, uh, at least the people who vote for us. Uh, but for now, back to your normal service. And uh, sorry about this interruption. You could listen to someone or even see them before they answered your phone call. So you would send them a call via FaceTime and you'd be able to listen to what they're doing before they've hit the answer button. Okay, let's act it out, Graham, right now. Right. Okay. Pretend you're calling me. Oh, God, it's that f***ing asshole again. <laughs> oh. Smashing Security, Episode 113. FaceTime, Facebook, Faceplant, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, Episode 113. My name is Graham Cluley. And I'm Carol Terrio. Hello, Crowley. Hello, Graham. <laughs> Hello. Um, <laughs> and we're joined this week by a special returning guest. It's John Hawes, all the way from AMTSO again, the Anti-Malware Testing Standards Organization. The worst acronym in the world. Hey, it's a great name. It's a great name. <laughs> Bit cheeky. Leave our name alone. It's all right. I missed that week when they chose the name. It's just hard to say fast. Well, Anti-Malware Testing Standards Organization. AMTSO. AMTSO. <laughs> It's very good for Eastern European people. What does AMSO do? We encourage and guide people to test better in the mm-hmm. security anti-malware space. So we tell people how to do it. We get them to sit down and talk to each other and play nice with each other. To use uh, today's parlance, are you trying to drain the swamp of crappy reviews? Exactly, yes. We're all into swamp draining. Oh, thank you for draining swamps, John. And thank everyone as well who has joined us on our Reddit page. Um, after we put out the plug in last week's episode, we've had literally hundreds, yes, plural of hundred people joining our Reddit page and chatting with us. And you can join us there as well at smashingsecurity.com slash Reddit. Hope to see even more of you up there. Exactly. It's the best place to get a bit of behind the scenes information. <laughs> if anyone actually could care about that. Now, we've got, we've got a fun-packed show, right, Carol? Yeah, listen to this. We've got DJ Daddy Cluley covering the FaceTime privacy snafu. Mr. John Hawes digs into Nick Clegg's work duties at Facebook. And yours truly heads to Japan to see how they're prepping for the 2020 Olympics. All this and oodles more coming up in a pretty sweary version of Smashing Security. 
Are you not running a password manager in your organization? What are you thinking? Check out LastPass Enterprise. Just go to this URL, lastpass.com slash smashing. Here you can learn all about what password managers can do for your firm. And you can learn more about LastPass Enterprise. I mean, if you want to solve poor password hygiene... If you fancy securing every password-protected entry point in your business, slide on over to lastpass.com slash smashing. I use them, so you should check them out. Hey, Graham. Yes. So I've got a problem. Yes. I use a cloud service. I put all my files and data up there, and I'm kind of nervous about crying eyes looking at it. Any advice? Yeah, you've got to encrypt it. Before I load it up? Well, I would recommend so, because any file which you put on Dropbox or Google Drive or OneDrive or those other sort of cloud services, it could be accessed by that company or indeed law enforcement or any hacker who broke into your account. So what I would recommend is use a piece of software like Boxcryptor. It's what I run on my computer. And any file, before it gets uploaded to those cloud services, gets encrypted with my own keys, which I control. So the cloud service itself can't see the contents of the files which I'm putting on the cloud drive. It's all encrypted. Cool, I'll check it out. Go to boxcrypto.com and thanks to Boxcrypto for supporting the show this week. Now, we are recording this on Tuesday. The episode goes out. Most people, I think, pick it up on Thursday. So things may have changed. I'm just putting this in context because we have breaking news. Ooh. Last night, I was tucked up in bed in the wee small hours of the morning with my uh, long johns on and my uh, womble hot water bottle clutched close to my heart. What a glorious image that is. And yep. I, felt, I felt a little tingle. I felt a tingle in my spider senses. Ooh. Are your long johns connected to the internet? <laughs> I knew something was not right with the internet. And so I awoke. I turned on my wee little phone and I saw that the Twitterverse was going bonkers. As usual. About a bug which had been found in FaceTime. Are you sure it was your spider sense and not just your phone going... (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I turned on Twitter and people were sharing this video. And what people were demonstrating in this video is that you could listen to someone or even see them before they answered your phone call. So you would send them a call via FaceTime. And you'd be able to listen to what they're doing before they've hit the answer button. Okay, let's act it out, Graham, right now. Right. Pretend okay. you're calling me. <laughs> oh, God, it's that fucking asshole again. <laughs> oh. You guys. <laughs> that could hurt our friendship, man. That could really, that could really damage our buddness. Exactly. You'd, I'd go down a tier, I think. Right. You right. Definitely, yeah, you'd be definitely yeah. tier two by that so, point. So dangerous. Or if you're having a poop or something and you don't want your camera on and someone's trying to do a camera. Well, there's all number of embarrassing scenarios. And of course, as people were sharing this video and the instructions on how to do it were really very, very simple indeed. Basically, you, you sort of added yourself to a group call with the person and somewhere the apple logic went bonkers i didn't even know you could do group calls on facetime yes you can do group facetime in ios 12 i didn't know that 
but people were using this to prank each other and i've actually got a video which you're welcome to take a look at if you wish um of two gentlemen who use it uh well one gentleman uses it to spy on his bro doesn't sound very gentlemanly so you can check out the video right now we'll put it in the show notes as well looking and this is a guy who's um calling his buddy he's calling his buddy that's right and his buddy doesn't you know isn't expecting a call let's put it that way because he's he's otherwise engaged oh and oh um, oh oh is it inappropriate you good Okay. I haven't clicked it. That's a bit rude, Cliff. It's a bit rude. Okay. It's a bit rude. Oh, no. Yo, you're beating your shmeet. So to the guy on Reddit who told us he doesn't like our show because he can't listen to it with his 12-year-old son, (laughs) this is very much not the episode you should be listening to. I should think within a couple of years, his son will know all about this, to be honest, if he doesn't already. He probably already does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so um, then it turned out it wasn't just audio. They could actually look at you as well. They could take over the front-facing oh, camera. Wow. Now, of course, that's deeply, deeply embarrassing for Apple, right? Mm. If you remember at the CES show recently on the West Coast, yeah. they were... Touting privacy very... Well, they were touting privacy very much. They had Mm. a great big poster up on the side of a hotel saying, you know, we're we're basically the privacy company because Google and Facebook keep on getting themselves into a mess. Apple is trying to differentiate itself, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So this bug has only really become public knowledge for less than 24 hours at the time of recording. It's hard to tell quite how serious it is. If you were a state-sponsored attacker, for instance, and you wanted to hack into uh, the phone of a leader of a rival country, it doesn't seem like a way to persistently sort of open up a microphone. It's going to be quite a short length of time. It can be a little bit obvious if they haven't turned off their ringtone and such like. So it doesn't seem like that kind of scale of thing. But it's still bad. Oh no no, and it's getting huge number of headlines everywhere. Also, if you if you know that a uh, major politician keeps their phone on a stand on their desk with lots of important secret documents underneath it, <laughs> and a- what they're wearing their phone underneath their chin, facing down. No, downwards. they've got it on a little stand on their desk so that they can oh. you know either watch videos or something, and the camera yeah. happens to catch a little glance of the nuclear codes or something. It, 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 I suppose it could, could be, could, could be, be, could, could be. be. <laughs> I think don't panic. If you're really worried about this, until Apple pushes out a proper patch, you can just turn off FaceTime if you wanted to. Oh. To be honest, I haven't turned off FaceTime. What Apple has done overnight, probably because they saw the furore which was going on on social media and in the newspapers as this story was breaking, was that they've made changes on their server side. They've effectively disabled group FaceTime calls. I imagine not that many Which people. kind of solves the problem in the short term. I think they handled yeah. it very, very quickly. I was kind of impressed by that. I kind of thought your story oh, would be more of a... Were you impressed? Yes. But oh. Okay, tell me why I'm wrong well, on that. I can maybe- tell by your... I, see, I feel like I'm being set up here to... <laughs> follow my face well maybe you shouldn't be quite that impressed because at first i was thinking well that's quite a good response time it's obviously embarrassing that the bug was there but they they've responded quite well until you do a search on twitter and what you find out is that over 10 days ago a 14 year old kid (laughs) contacted apple support multiple times saying that they had found this bug and they wanted it fixed and Apple never got back to them. Okay, okay. Um, can I just defend Apple? Just so, I know I'm an I know I'm a big uh, Apple whore. <laughs> Apple whore. Yes, you're like the Nell Gwyn, but, but rather than oranges, you're apples. 
Apple is a big company. Who knows who they called Medium Apple? Size. Medium exactly. Who knows who they called, right? And who knows if that person just was like, oh, God, okay, thanks, thanks. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people must call with those kind of things that they've found something. Well, at least get back to them and say, can you give us more yeah. details? I mean, in these days of bug bounties and serious vulnerabilities happening. And remember, this is Apple, which is all about, well, they're now wishing that they had. I bet. They now wish that they had just tweeted about yeah. it. And this problem would have been fixed faster. They also, by the way, contacted Fox News and they never heard back from Fox News either. Oh, which is surprising to me, because you would think Fox News are looking for alternative news stories to focus on, rather than other things which may be appearing in the headlines. So you, you, you yeah. think they'd want to do that. But then also, people like Fox News must get a lot of calls from people saying, hey, look what my kid can do with his phone. Sure. Which aren't necessarily all going to be great news stories. Right. But I mean, I mean, the people who I think have dropped the ball here are Apple themselves. They should have got back to him. They should have asked for more details. They should at least have acknowledged the bug report. So there's an official bug report which was submitted. They never got uh, any response well, to And it. also, they should have noticed the problem in the first place. If it's something that a 14-year-old can spot, surely a team of professional software testers should have been able well, to spot Well, yeah, it. because this does seem to keep on happening with Apple, doesn't it? I mean, there have been so many bugs involving the lock screen, for instance, and ways to bypass pass it and bizarre logic like that you, you would think with something like a phone call there shouldn't be any data transmitted to the other person until you've actually acknowledged yes i mm -hmm. want this phone call to happen there shouldn't be any data going back at all should there you should be no. testing that pretty thoroughly with every release yeah. could be embarrassing um i use facetime fairly regularly with some people do you ever have problems with facetime carol yeah I do. Yeah, me I, too. One of the things I find is I find it very easy to accidentally call someone. So what happens is <laughs> I'm thinking in my head, I need to call Graham, right? Right. And I put in my passcode, get to FaceTime, and uh, then I forget and I go do something holding my phone. So FaceTime's <laughs> open on my phone and I end up calling someone who's uh -huh. like in San Francisco Oops. at four in the morning. And then I'm try madly trying to get the hang up button to stop bugging them. And it always kind of goes wrong at that point. And there was that weird thing in a... We actually covered this in a special bonus episode, didn't we? We had a little breakaway behind-the-scenes episode. Do you remember my phone used to call you on FaceTime <laughs> when I was in the shower? And it didn't yes. matter if it was my shower at home or a shower at a hotel. And I, was, I wasn't even close to the phone. I want to stress that. It and I would hear... I'd pick it up and I'd just hear this... Shh, and I'd go, oh, no! Oh, God! Oh, God! It wasn't a video call. It was only ever audio, I think. Thank the Lord! Have you filed Kroll's contact under... Shh! <laughs> John, what's your story for us this week? Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about Nick Clegg. Um, oh. so okay, for, I'm going to go get a cup of tea. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to go get you, a pillow. For those of you who... Uh, aren't familiar with the obscure end of uh, UK politics of the last 15 <laughs> years or so. So Nick Clegg, he used to be the leader of the Liberal Democratic Party, basically the third party in a two-party system. So they're always kind of small and feeble um, for, a, for a brief period. I guess it was the credit crunch, really. They, they got a bit more popular and they formed a coalition government, which... With the Tories, that's everyone, right. Everyone hated them for because, you know, you vote for Party A and they use that to get Party B into power. Mm -hmm. You're not going to get a lot of friends that way. And uh, they didn't really do anything in the five years. Uh, Clegg was Deputy Prime Minister, but... No well, 
they? Really? Did they? What did they do? They- well, I think they they put the brakes on things like the Snoopers Charter, and they prevented some of that. You know, which Lib Dems strongly yep. believed was a bad thing, and the Conservatives want to push forward. Yeah. And the so they Lib slowed Dems it down a little bit. Well, unfortunately, you know, politics. Yeah, their brakes aren't that big. That's yeah. the politics took a particular turn, and uh, we, we no longer have a coalition government able to stop mm-hmm. the Conservatives from doing things like that. Yeah, little bit of politics there. <coughs> anyway, after he was deputy PM for five years, you know, they had another election, and by that point, everybody hated them, so the the whole party pretty much collapsed. They lost all yep. their seats. He lost his seat a couple of years late, twenty seventeen, and um, yeah, my main memory of him is that he was on uh, Desert Island Discs, the BBC show where they great show. In- interview celebrities about what they would take to a desert island and uh, his mm. uh, luxury he wanted to take was a, an unlimited stash of fags that's what he wanted <laughs> cigarettes for our american counterparts <laughs> yes don't uh, don't take that the wrong way <laughs> what was he planning to do then make a raft or something what was his well, intention i don't know well the, the, the other thing the lib dems were famous for was that they were very uh, supportive of the uh, legalization of marijuana so maybe he was hoping that there would be other things to smoke <laughs> on the island i don't know <laughs> Anyway, that's beside the point. So the the real thing is so that he was given a job with Facebook back in October last year, Vice President of Global Affairs and Communications. So he's basically Ooh, there. Ooh, da title. Yeah. Head of propaganda, basically. Yeah, he, he's, there, he's their, their lobbyist. He's there to pester government people because he knows how to talk to them. So he, he's the, the liaison between Facebook and politicians. He, you know, he is actually quite a good choice to talk about these subjects, particularly in Europe. I mean, he speaks not only English, he speaks Spanish and German and French and Dutch. Yes, yes. He used to be an MEP and he was in Europe for a long time. Yeah. My nephews used to go to school with one of his uh, sons. No way. Yeah, uh, I don't know, can't remember his name, Fernando or something like that. Or maybe that was Alan Partridge. But yeah, no, it's something like (laughs) some sort of Spanish-y sort of name. Very international. Sorry, slightly off topic. Anyway, yes. So he started this job in October. He's not been very visible in that role since he he was given it but uh, this last week or so he's been doing a european tour with uh cheryl sandberg going around talking to politicians and people like that and anyway so he gave a speech the other day as part of this tour to a a room full of journalists and policy makers and influencers in brussels mm-hmm he spent a lot of time defending the ad-supported role model that Facebook operates. And Google. Right. And so I said, oh, you know, we could we could charge for things, but then, you know, all the poor people won't be able to use it. So advertising's much better. And it's how the internet works, I think he said. And also <laughs> TV and newspapers and things like that. And he talked a little bit about the data economy and how that was a, a growing thing and how Facebook was a big part of it and it was going to be very useful for the world in the future. Oh, really? Um, he talked a little bit about all the oh. efforts they're making to to restrict bad content, your terrorism and your hate speech and things like that, and particularly fake news, obviously, and fake accounts with all the political shenanigans that have been going on, Cambridge Analytica and all that. This seems a little flip-floppy from, you know, things like the uh, Snoopers Charter and not supporting it, doesn't it? Well, it's, he's got a new job, you know, so he's, he's got to start spinning a new a new line. That's what he's paid for. Yeah, you've got to get Fernando through school, mm-hmm. you know. Does anyone have any good faith anymore? Does anyone stand for anything? I have to say, actually, in his speech, he did come across as quite genuine and he was he was quite flexible. He was saying, look, yes, I admit this is quite bad, but, you know, we're trying to do this about it. And I'm so not sure think, exactly how true it was. You think Facebook is mending its ways. That's what you think. No, you think no, it's mending its ways? I think, he, I think he's, he was clearly 
well chosen as a person to make it look a little cleaner. Yeah. Just because he's making, because yeah, he's, he's, he's taking the stench more... off the pile of doo doo. Yeah, but... yeah, yeah. Well, look, he can say all he likes, and yes, he is a very nicely presented chap, and he, he seems like a decent fellow as well. But mm-hmm. he alone isn't going to fix Facebook. He's not going to no. stop all the trolls, the fake accounts, the bad news which is on there, or the offensive material. There's been something in the press in the last uh, week or so about a young woman who uh, killed herself Mm -hmm. because of all these images of self-harm and so forth, which are still being found on Instagram. If Facebook and and its sister companies wants to really improve its image, it's got to clean up that stuff, hasn't it? Well, he he talked about that a little bit as well. As always, hiring more people to get more human involvement in the moderation and fact-checking and things like that, and also investing more in machine learning technologies to do it all automatically. So, but what his his main point seemed to be throughout all of this, yes, was that it shouldn't be down to Facebook to deal with this stuff. Oh, it's the they users' shouldn't be problem. The ones, no, no, they shouldn't be the ones who right. decide what the rules should be. Talked about they they set up an independent board to review free speech complaints. They're setting up an operation center on election integrity, but his central theme throughout it all was governments seriously you need to be setting some rules about what we can and can't do and they're just saying that because they know it's too complicated for governments to do that well they'll they'll try and it will take them forever and the the bureaucracy is going to take forever and if they helped it would go a lot faster and anyway this really pisses Mm -hmm. me off (laughs) and he put a little caveat on that saying please don't restrict data flow too much because you know you'll still damage all kinds of innovation and things like healthcare and stuff where big data is going to be very useful in future so we're not suggesting we should damage data flow too much no we're just suggesting facebook let's just cut off facebook at the knees right (laughs) i've got a facebook account crawl you're not on facebook are you no john i can't imagine you're on facebook either I, i don't spend a lot of time on that right you know, and Instagram and WhatsApp and all of those, if you feed into the Zuckerberg... You know, he owns 51% of Facebook. So he is, like, the, he's properly he's pretty well off the now, owner. Not like, yes. that's not like ah. Jeff Bezos or anything. He's, no. So, yes, coming back to the financial side. So he very briefly touched on taxation. And in various, uh, there was a few other interviews and stuff he's been doing this last week as well, where he got slightly less friendly questioning. And a lot of people obviously brought up the whole tax thing and why Facebook doesn't pay much tax. And he brought that back to pretty much the same point, saying that, you know, it's it's not Facebook's job to volunteer to pay tax. You as governments should be fixing this. You should be setting some rules that can handle things like Facebook, which I think is actually is true and is correct and is the only possible way forward, and I think should in the long term have a much bigger impact on the internet and security in general. Because once governments get together and set some kind of global system that can handle companies the size of Facebook, alongside that, you have to also have not just tax regulation, but also laws and crime prevention. Because at the moment, if someone attacks someone in America from a computer in Russia via another computer in Japan and steals the money that the Americans have been keeping in Sweden and transports it off to China, you know, you can't just call your local Bobby. You need 
the world police to do that. And Okay, and that's a while away. What I'm hearing and what he's saying is we are a company. Our design is to get as much as we can and give out as little as possible. And we do not want to have to do the right thing ethically or morally. We want to do the right thing legally. And right now mm-hmm. it's a freaking wild west and we want to be free to take advantage of that without getting our wrists slapped. So, well, but nice. there, he's also saying, please make sure that at some point you actually implement some kind of... Yeah. So Facebook has done a nice little PR exercise here and they've put exactly. out some, some talking points. But for me, the big point is that we do need much better global regulation of the internet and these giant companies. And governments don't want to hear that because it basically means the purpose of a government is to be in charge. And you don't want to admit that you're too small to be in charge of something anymore. Well, why don't you uh, wait to hear my story and see if you change mm. your mind on that? All right, then. It might enlighten you. <laughs> All right, well, Carol, you've teed it up nicely. What, what's your story for us this week? Well, for my story... We head to Japan. This is the land of deliciously slurpy ramens and sci-fi toilets with built-in butt sprays and dryers. You've been on one of those, haven't you, Clearly, <coughs> oh. <laughs> Not this morning, but yes, in the past. But whatever your thoughts on Japan, it's a country where people enjoy the fourth largest life expectancy in the world. Oh, that's all that sushi. Of 84 years. Can you guess, actually, guys, can you guess what might be a country that beats Japan? Mm, is it like Ooh. Nepal or something? Oh, good guess. Nope. Iceland? Get three guesses. Nope. Oh. More than Japan? Yep. So people live longer than in Japan. There's only one I think you might get. The Vatican. <laughs> Vatican. No. A lot of, lot of very old folks there. <laughs> so but you know what you're on the right you're on the right uh, the right path uh, first one's monaco then oh. hong kong and macau so mm. interesting um you always get interesting facts from me mm. so japan is getting its glad rags on and putting on a bit of face slap ahead of the 2019 rugby world cup and 2020 olympics and all matter of gentrification and improvements are afoot uh, two of Japan's biggest 24-hour convenience store chains have said they will stop selling porn magazines <laughs> ahead of the two world-class events. The stores fear God, that this could give a, a negative impact, impression. Right? Yeah. Be inconvenient. <laughs> People are going to be so disappointed. Darn it! <laughs> well, no, I've, I've, I've been to Japanese convenience stores, and they quite often have a, basically a porn aisle. You get you get one for one for a cup of soups and one for you know your everyday basics, your milk and eggs and cheese, and then the other one is porn. Do Olympic athletes tend to go into a convenience store to buy a porn magazine just before? Um, Graham, I think we're talking about the twenty million tourists that are showing yes. up. Yes, it's all oh, okay. about. It's- oh, I understand. I understand. <laughs> right. So, giving a good impression of the company, they did this. They had a. Was it a Winter Olympics? It was the World Cup, I think, they had there a while ago. I'm not sure this is strictly true. I just heard this from from someone I knew out there. They um, temporarily banned the sale of magic mushrooms during during the event. No one one at the time (laughs) knew that magic mushrooms were even legal in Japan. They kept it very quiet. But while all these foreigners were there, they made it illegal, and then they 
overturned the rule when everyone left. Yeah. Now, apparently not all bogs are high-class gizmos, right? Thousands of public ones are actually squat loose, where there's a pan or a bowl on the floor. But you have little right? foot, foot marks to show you to where to put your feet. <laughs> what is your obsession <laughs> with lavatories? Well... It's interesting. It's, it's interesting because podcast. they're concerned that these squat loos will be stressful for tourists. Maybe I'm just thinking they are I, quite stressful. I would find that and so they're going to be replaced by western toilet models. Okay. Yeah, not, not the super fancy enabled. ones with the dials and the knobs. Actually, if you had to squat, you must it must be really good thigh workout. <laughs> it's, it's all poop related. Yeah, crow Is there any security content at all in what you're telling us? Yes, I'm teeing it up now. And Japan also wants to improve cybersecurity ahead of these big sporting okay, events. All right. So I took a peek at Japan's 2018 cybersecurity strategy. There's a link in the show notes for anyone interested. <laughs> and one of the big focus areas is the establishment international delivery model for addressing vulnerabilities in IoT devices. <gasps> so this is a fancy schmancy way to say we need to figure out a way to fix the growing problem of insecure and vulnerable IoT devices all over the okay, land. Okay, sounds good. According to Koji Nakao, government advisor on cybersecurity and guest professor at Yokohama University, so, you know, a knowledgeable dude, one would presume, one of the big reasons that these IoT devices are vulnerable is because they use very simple user IDs and passwords. And he says the typical end user, this sounds very familiar to us here in the West Mm -hmm. as well, Mm -hmm. the typical end user has poor knowledge of cybersecurity, they connect and forget, relying on default passwords, provided maybe with a device. And he says most people in Japan wouldn't have a clue how to update it. So all these millions of devices connected all around Japan and they're all holding a ton of information, private and sensitive and all that. And the big worry is that too many of them are vulnerable and they could be compromised by some malicious code or an attacker today or in the future. Mm -hmm. So what does a country do when it wants to educate its users on being better with passcodes and user IDs? So you expect them to launch a splashy media campaign, right, on password hygiene, But Japan went a different route entirely. They've approved a rather radical approach to dealing with this problem just this past Friday. So starting in a few weeks' time, Japan plans to crawl the Japanese internet, hammer away at IoT devices Mm -hmm. in homes and in offices all around Japan to break in, to break into them. And here's the gist. Using an exhaustive list of passwords, the National Institute of Information and Communication Technology, NICT, will attempt to break into devices by hammering away at these usernames and passwords. Presumably the first, the first thing they're testing there is, is not whether your password is any good, or it's whether your device allows you to try tens of thousands of passwords until it lets you in. Surely it should, it should lock you out good after point. three attempts or something. Webcams and routers is where they want to start, and they plan to attack hundreds of millions of these devices. And when they successfully gain access to the device, the owner will be contacted and advised on how to improve security measures. The researchers at the Institute admit that it will potentially be possible that they might unintentionally gain access to webcam images or stored data. Oh, that's fine. But they say it would be a violation of the constitutional rights to privacy if those identities were revealed. So note that it doesn't say that they see it. It's just as if they release that information. And the many articles I read on this all include assurances that this is all for the betterment of the country's cybersecurity defenses. Naturally. 
Oh, so this sounds a little mm. <laughs> half half baked. Thorny little nest of ethics here, isn't there? First of all, yes, there is the ethical concern of should they even be hacking in at all? Are they going to access other countries' devices? And how will the other country feel if this organised Japanese government effort to access their IoT devices is spotted and how they might respond to that? Maybe not be... well. But how are they going to contact the owners of these devices to tell them to improve their security? How are the owners of these devices going to respond if they are contacted at all if that's possible yeah. are they even going to understand what any of this means it yeah. seems how do you if, if if someone if someone came to me and said oh your your webcam allows me to try 10 million passwords before it locks me out i, I can't fix that yeah yeah exactly that's true now both of you have not mentioned the big question that came to me immediately i was like whoa is this even legal <laughs> Right? Is this legal? Well. And apparently it is. So reportedly, a revised law went into effect last November, which gives the NICT the authority to gain access to people's devices over a five-year period. Ah, so they were getting ready for this. Basically. No, they've been getting ready for it since they created their cybersecurity strategy in 2018. Mm-hmm. So all the things you mentioned, Graham, I worry too. Like, how do you know? How, who are you going to contact exactly? And are you just going to snoop in the information you've accessed to find out the identity so you can contact them? Mm. Is that how they're going to do that? Right? And then aren't they setting a dangerous precedent here? Like, so many people would definitely not want their governments having full access to their, all their private day-to-day stuff. And why should they? And what, what if you don't trust your government? Right. What well, if- hopefully, with most things, you can actually you can kind of log in without then going through all the data that's yeah. available in it. You don't have to. You don't have to sit and watch a webcam for eight no. hours to know that you. You would imagine that they're logging in, they're accessing the admin panel, and maybe they can initiate an update, for instance, a firmware update or something like that, if that is required. Or, but this, it's it's weird this sort of mm. resetting the passwords and telling people what that's a whole nother step is if, if once they're in there do they then yeah. go and fix any problems themselves right oh right yeah 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 from the stuff i've read i didn't see anything on that it was all about contacting the owner but that is another big can of worms i'm sure that will be eventually how it is that they can go in and just change stuff or remove stuff or add stuff as and break stuff yeah you get a letter in the post saying sorry your password was rubbish here is your new one now, the other, the other interesting thing I was thinking about is how do they compel people to care? I was reading all is these... Is the answer you know, magic uh, mushrooms? <laughs> is that how we're going to make them care? Actually, but that's a, that's a good point. How, how is this going to help with their appearance to all these visitors <laughs> that are coming for the Olympics? You know, you, you wander around the country. Connecting to people's Wi-Fi's. I don't know, maybe people do. There's 20 million people expected, right? Yeah, but you don't kind of wander around a country going, oh, this is a rubbish country. All of these webcams have been hacked. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. I, I, I think it probably might improve the country's overall cybersecurity posture, but I don't think the ends justify the means here at all in my book. Mm-hmm. I think, in, you know, basically to ensure better privacy and security, we will compromise your privacy and security, and now it's legal for us to do so. And we're doing it in the name of good, so that's okay. So, yeah, so while they live the longest, the Japanese, they are not the happiest. They're 56 out of 154, apparently. It's all the suicides. Canada's seventh. 
So this is another typical segment of Smashing Security. Something has gone terribly wrong with the internet, and we're going to grumble about it. Isn't that what we're here for? Really? That... Is that how you've reduced my work? <laughs> no. That, I, no. I, I've put a, quite a bit of work into this. I, I don't know. I'm sure someone from the Japanese government is listening and they will change this. I've heard we're big in Japan. Oh, that was in the 80s, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I think we should probably move on. To pick. I shouldn't sing it yet. And welcome back. Can you join us on our favourite part of the show? The part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Mm, pick of the week. Mm. Mm, pick of the week is the part. <laughs> mm, pick of the I week like it. Is the part of the show where everyone chooses something they like. Could be a funny story, a book that they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, a podcast, a website, or an app. Whatever they like. It doesn't have to be security related necessarily. Well, no, it should not be. And my pick of the week this week is a website. Well, actually, first of all, let me ask you do you remember the 70s and 80s? When you turn on the TV and there wouldn't be any programs on. This was certainly true in the UK. We didn't have programs all day long. Okay. And there would be something on the screen called teletext, or sometimes called CFAX. And they had this mm. in different countries around the world. It was beautiful. It's 24 lines of 40 characters. So like it was a, like a blocky sort of pixely game. And it would give you information about the news or the TV listings. I remember it in the UK. I don't remember it when I was in Canada. You were probably more advanced in Canada and North America. You probably had all night TV. Yeah, you probably had hockey reruns Uh. or something. The website I want to point you towards is called Teletext The World, which is a celebration of Teletext. Okay. And specifically, it has a feature which I quite enjoyed where you can upload an image and turn it into its Teletext version as it would, because they were remarkably creative on that small palette. I've also included a a little link to a YouTube video where you can see, we'll put this in the show notes, you can see some of the incredible things which can be done with teletext. And I've made images of myself and both you, John, Mm -hmm. and Kroll. Well, you've loaded my picture on a random website. Well, you have been converted into teletext on the website via the website's image generator. And great. with your great, permission, Carol, with your permission... Which wasn't granted. This is a picture which you have put on the Smashing Security website. <laughs> I will post these on Twitter so people can see your teletext representations. That's fine. I think my teletext representation is excellent, actually. <laughs> I really like I, it. Yes, these are probably quite good for privacy because no one's ever going to recognise any of these people, right? Your one is clearly you, John. There's no... <laughs> <laughs> There's no doubt that is you. 100%. Yeah. Unless it's just definitely John. <laughs> anyway, I think Teletext was fab. I enjoyed checking out this website and being reminded of Teletext. And uh, that cool. is why Teletext the World is my pick of the week. Super. Nice little pick of the week. Thank you very much. John, have you got a pick of the week for us? I, I have. And I, I feel quite proud of myself, actually, because it, it kind of connects back to my main story, even though I, oh. I chose the pick of the week much longer oh. ago than the whole Nick Clegg thing came out. Is it a Nick Clegg 2019 calendar? It is not. That no, it's nothing to, to do with actually Nick Clegg. So it's, I, I wanted to think a little bit about perspective. You know, sometimes it's important to take a step back, look at the bigger picture and just remember that probably your problems aren't that serious. And... Um, I have a few 
things that I use when I when I feel the need for a little perspective, um, which I quite like to share with you. One of them is the Cosmic Eye video. Actually, all of these are quite old. This is from 2012. So I've been <laughs> I've been dipping in and looking at this every now and again for a long time. Um, right. it's, it's very famous. It's it's you know it starts with a, an, a face and it zooms out and it goes face person building city country planet all the way out to universe and then all the way back in into the eye and then all the way into oh yes i remember this it zooms i'm um, watching now it zooms all the way out into the cosmos and then goes zoom yeah. back into this woman's eye yeah and then all the way down to the size of atoms and things like that mm. oh, okay which is cool. very which is very fun it's only about three minutes long i thoroughly recommend it mm-hmm. um i have another one called chrono zoom um which is a, a time thing it's a, an academic project. Again, this is from 2012. Obviously, sometime around 2012, I felt the need for a lot of perspective, and I looked up a bunch of these things, which I've <laughs> hung on to ever since. So this one does pretty much the same thing, but with time. So it's laid out various bits of, of timeline, and you can I, I recommend going to Humanity, where it shows you like the last 5,000 years where we've kind of documented history since we invented writing. And then if you click from that and then go to, I think it's Cosmos... And you watch it zoom out, and it shows you how insignificant an amount of time humans have been around. It's kind of kind of super. Mm. And then the third one, which is actually my favourite of the three, is a, a site called Wait But Why. They have a post from again from about five years ago. It's called Putting Time in Perspective, which is kind of similar to ChronoZoom, except that it's it's much more simple than. Oh, it's quite fun. It, it 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 kind of it starts with you know a year, and then puts puts the, that year into the last 30 years and each each time the the previous graph shrinks down into the corner of the next one and it does the same thing kind of goes through oh i like that one john of hu- humanity yeah yeah so that's mm. that's brilliant and i actually the whole whole website i thoroughly recommend their their piece on electric cars is amazing this is the wait but why website yeah it's really mm. really good they do, again they they don't do stuff very often i'm not actually sure they're still doing stuff they typically only put out something like every six months or something but i like in their banner in <laughs> their banner image they say new post every sometimes mm-hmm. yeah that's very yeah sweet, and they have they're it? very they're very cute they have lots of little cute little line drawn cartoons to to illustrate things and yeah. lots, lots of little graphs and things like that but they they do some amazingly kind of in-depth stuff which is very recommended cool hmm. okay it's bookmarked thank you very your much your talk about perspective there john reminded me of something uh, about perspective as well do you remember that father ted sketch where uh, ted speaks <laughs> small teaches far people. away yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> with the cows it's very funny uh, <laughs> i'll just put the youtube link in there for you uh right crow what's your pick of the week well I kind of wanted to uh, do Roger Stone's documentary, Get Me Roger Stone, because of everything that's been going on politically in the past few days with respect to uh, the Nixon lover. But uh, I think you did it already on a previous show. I think show. we might have spoken about it before, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it was your pick of the week. So I have another political, satirical, mockum- well, this is a mockumentary rather than a documentary, Jonathan Pye, and it's called Jonathan Pye's American Pie. Now, Jonathan Pye is not everyone's favorite, uh, but I find him quite edgy and I like him. So in this uh, show, Jonathan Pye's American Pie, he plays a spoof news reporter. And he kind of mashes together, you know, uh, Louis Theroux's Weird Weekend's personal deep dive bits and the furious blasphemy from Peter Capaldi in, in the thick of it. 
and the kind of Steve Coogan suaveness in uh, in Alan Partridge. So it's kind of like a mashup of those three, for real. And he pulls it off, I think, quite well. Not everyone thinks so. It's not perfect. But I was really glued to the script, to him, to how he was handling it. And I love how you kept seeing the cameramen behind people. Like, I don't know, there's kind of a behind-the-scenes feel to it uh, that makes it great, I think. It's easy to create a narrative that Donald Trump is just this orange buffoon. Very huge, easy. Huge mistake. The people who voted for Donald Trump in 2016 are not having buyer's remorse. Sometimes we get fixated on, he can't have said that, the president can't describe African countries as shithole countries. Yeah. You know, I mean, the words I've used on air, grabbing people's <laughs> pussy. I mean, and I've yeah. never said that before in my career. Not in your career, not on camera. Plans for election night, because we're all going to go and have a few beers on, you know, you can join us if you like for election night. What do you think I'm doing? I'm working. I'm covering an election. Yeah, of course, sorry. Done well for yourself, John. Done well for yourself. Good to see you, John. Cheers. 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 Thanks a lot. Arsehole. What a dick. You dare dance. Anyway, I say check it out. It's on iPlayer. It's an hour long. It did air on BBC Three, but don't let that put you off too much. <laughs> It is worth it. And that is Jonathan Pye's American. I, I've seen it. I quite liked it. Yeah? Oh, right. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's I it? I, I didn't think it was hilarious. And I actually, I found him quite... Uh, I didn't like him at all to begin with, but he kind of grew on me through the thing. I've seen some very short videos of his which popped up on Twitter from time to time, often by people who think they were genuine news reports. Uh, yeah. So I, th- I think that's how he made a name for himself, wasn't it? We're talking about some political things and... yeah. And that's kind of interesting because like, I was just thinking when I was covering this, deciding to put it into the pick of the week, It's in- I was suddenly going, oh, I wonder if satire is going to die because of fake news. I think satire has died because you just can't send up reality any longer. Mm-hmm. The world's yeah. too crazy. And it's such a sad thing because, you know, one of the reasons I moved to England was because you guys were pretty satirically wonderful. <laughs> Don't worry, Kroll. Everything's going to be wonderful. We have a glorious future line ahead. I just feel sorry for Europe. I just don't know how they're going to cope without the United Kingdom. Poor, poor (laughs) fellows. You guys are still welcome to listen to our show no matter what happens. We're here. And that just about wraps it up for this week. Uh, Thank you, John, for joining us. John, if people want to find out more about you or about AMTSO, what is the best way to do that? Thanks for having me. Um, You can email info at amtso.org. God, how 90s. I'm very very old school. (laughs) That's cool. Well, you can find us on Twitter at smash insecurity. No G. Twitter wouldn't allow us to have a G. Uh, you can find us on Reddit at smashingsecurity.com slash Reddit. And uh, if you enjoy the show, please tell your pals. Yeah, you could even leave us a review if you wanted. Oh, that'd be nice. Thanks to all of you for listening to the show, and thank you to our sponsors, Boxcryptor and LastPass. Is that it? Are we done? Right, until next time. <laughs> Cheerio, bye-bye. Later, bye. 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 Um, excuse me, my phone's ringing. Ugh. Someone from France. I told them I wasn't free. Well, turn. why don't you turn off the okay. ringer? Well, I'm trying to do it without actually answering the phone because I have to pick it up. It's on the side. answer it. Hang on. It takes a while to turn off. <laughs>
No, I'm all okay, right. Are we, are we all following at the moment? Yes, I'm going to act out. I want to respond to that. Mm-hmm. You're going to act out? I'm going to act out right now. Right, okay. Okay, I'm ready. Hang on. They're going to contact the owners and tell them how to improve the security. How will they contact the owner? 